This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, you guys. Welcome to episode three of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known, unprotected sexual encounters of your favorite reality TV stars. I am your host, Troy McEady, and... Today's episode is particularly messy. I'm going to let you know that right off the top. Um, I remember this story being very messy when we lived through it, but I guess I had blacked out a lot of the details. Today we're going to be deep diving on Paris Hilton and Nick Carter. So Paris Hilton and Nick Carter dated for about 10 months in April of 2004, and they dated during a really, really low point in Nick's career and just in his life in general. He was... At the peak of his issues with drugs and alcohol and depression, Um, he had physically let himself go. I remember reading a lot at that time, you know, people would make fun of his weight and his skin had gotten really bad. He was basically going through his like Rob Kardashian era and Paris was on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. She had just basically skyrocketed to fame because of the simple life. She was becoming a household name. She was slowly becoming the most famous person in the world. So they were on totally different wavelengths when they met. And apparently they were introduced through Paris's bodyguard, who was a friend of Nick's. So Paris gave the bodyguard her contact information, told him to give it to Nick, and that she wanted to go on a date with him because she thought he was cute. And the rest is history. Now, when you consider who we're talking about, 10 months is actually a pretty fucking long time. It's kind of an eternity in this world. So I've always been under the impression that these two really did love each other. And even after researching them, I really do still feel like at the time they were really, really in love. And Nick has since gone on to say that this relationship was one of the worst things that could have ever happened to him, especially at this point in his life. Um, He said that Paris led him down a really dark path, which is something we'll definitely get into. And like I said, this story is just, it's particularly very messy. There's a lot of moving parts. There's some domestic violence. Uh, there's some Ashley Simpson involvement. Uh, there's some Aaron Carter involvement. There's just a lot going on. So let's just get right into it. So before The Simple Life, the Hilton sisters were known mostly for being photographed at nightclubs in New York, which started when they were around 15 and 16 years old. And the Hilton family at that time was living at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in Manhattan during the 90s. 
which is actually pretty iconic to the whole like Hilton storyline because Paris and Nikki would famously sneak out of the Waldorf to go clubbing and their parents had no idea for years that their daughters had basically become these like underage New York social scene staples. They would basically show up at these Hollywood industry parties and these events and these clubs and they would wear like really crazy outfits and they would dance on tables uh, clearly drunk and underage, and uh, they would just behave inappropriately. And they quickly developed a relationship with Page Six, and that's how they became known as New York City It Girls. I think Page Six basically started the snowball of their careers. This went on for a few years. They were becoming more and more well-known in New York. And without telling their parents, Paris and Nikki posed in an 11-page photo spread for Vanity Fair that was shot by David LaChapelle. The photos were supposed to poke fun at their reputations as, like, socialite party girls, and Paris wore a necklace that said rich, and she posed topless in her grandmother's Beverly Hills mansion. So the pictures were really controversial. One of the most iconic ones is the one where Paris is giving that middle finger. She's, her, she's like, topless. You can see her nipple. And I remember during that time, like, the gossip magazines would refer to those pictures as the nipple shots, and they were super controversial, which... It's crazy because people literally didn't even really know who they were. So there's this weird juxtaposition between the fact that they're unknown and also very well known and really super controversial, but they've done nothing but just go out and drink. It's insane. And in 2002, GQ editor Jim Nelson wrote a seven-page parody based on the Hiltons titled The Marriott Sisters with one T so they wouldn't get sued. And the story was based on these two spoiled brat heiresses named Dallas and Frenchie who would hang out at hot spots in New York and they would get photographed leaving places drunk with their thongs hanging out. And the magazine even went as far as to hire these two models to pose as them that would appear on talk shows and they would do interviews in character. And the parody didn't really take off. The magazine abandoned the idea, especially because the Marriott Hotel got involved and they were like, what the fuck are you doing? But I brought this up specifically to kind of now, mind you, this took place way before Nikki and Paris were actually famous. So it gives you a perspective of how important they were in New York City at that time. And the fact that they were just sort of creating this new idea and this new version of what it meant to be famous. Like, they were literally famous for going out and being themselves, which was unheard of at the time. Paris's first celebrity feud took place in 2003, uh, when she got in a physical fight with Shannon Doherty at a restaurant over her then-boyfriend, Rick Solomon. Uh, spoiler alert, Rick Solomon comes up again. I actually have a quote here from Page Six. I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's kind of a long one. Gossip Bible Page Six.com reports that the incident happened at Deluxe, a weekly bash held behind the La Palma's restaurant in Hollywood. An insider says that when the two saw each other, Paris allegedly marched up to Shannon and started yelling at her, saying, Leave Rick alone! There's been bad blood between the pair since Rick, 33, rekindled his on-off relationship with a 21-year-old Paris Hilton. The sources say Rick and Paris have been held up at a Beverly Hills hotel for 10 days, partying hard, and he hasn't gone home once to see his two children by another woman. Paris has been leaving threatening messages on Shannon's machine, and Shannon is sick of it, but a spokesperson, <laughs> spokesperson for Paris blamed the argument on Shannon, saying Shannon grabbed Paris's face and punched her. Then Shannon followed her and egged her car and wrote profanities on her car in red lipstick. Leslie Zelnick, this is the best part. I need to get Leslie on this podcast. She's my everything. Listen to this. Who represents Shannon says, the two did have a conversation. Shannon didn't touch her. Shannon didn't egg her car or write profanities in red lipstick. Shannon doesn't wear red lipstick. 
The insider says the fiery Shannon 31 told Paris, listen, I'm through with Rick. You can have him, but you need to let him go home and see his kids and he needs to get help. Shannon has since seen a lawyer about the threatening messages Paris has been leaving her. She hasn't filed a restraining order yet, but she's thinking about it. You guys, listen to me. Shannon did not egg your car, okay? She did not write profanities. Shannon doesn't wear red lipstick. There's actually a really funny scene in the first season of The Simple Life where they kind of reference this because uh, they're playing this, like, trivia game, and one of the cards that Paris pulled, like, the answer to one of the questions was Shannon Doherty, and... (laughs) In her baby voice, she goes, I hate that girl. (laughs) This story is so good, and I cannot wait for the next person to come for me. So my response can be, Shannon doesn't even wear red lipstick. So in 2002, Fox was toying with the idea of doing an updated version of a 60s-style sitcom. And they basically wanted to do a 2003 version of, like, a Green Acres And um, the original concept behind The Simple Life revolved around a wealthy New York City family being dropped off on a farm and told to survive. And they'd be cut off from their bank accounts, they'd be forced to cook and clean and look for low-paying jobs in the middle of nowhere. And uh, around the same time, Paris Hilton was meeting with the Fox... (laughs) She was meeting with the Fox. Their casting department up there at the Fox and about possibly doing a show that revolved around her life... And they realized shortly after that Paris and her sister would be the perfect tie-in for the concept that they had already come up with of dropping wealthy people off on a farm. Nikki Hilton ended up backing out of the show before filming began. Uh, She was uncomfortable with the idea of her life being so public, and she kind of looked down on the concept. I think she felt like Paris would be ruining her uh, future acting career if she had done it, which sounds ridiculous now, but like... This was during that really early time in reality TV where if you had done a reality show, you basically couldn't get cast in anything else. Like you were a write-off and nobody would ever take you seriously again. It was like career suicide. And the really funny thing about that is that Nikki's always been the more shy and reserved of the two. And it makes me wonder what this show would have been like had she done it. Because when you go back and rewatch The Simple Life, like it's so apparent how heavily Paris relies on Nicole to make the show entertaining. And I can't even imagine what Nikki Hilton would have been like. She barely speaks. And when she does speak, it's in like a monotone whisper. She's really boring and like super dull. Like She never would have been cut out for reality TV ever. So the network basically left it up to Paris to pick her own replacement from her circle of friends. And the list of girls included Kimberly Stewart, Rod Stewart's daughter. I mentioned her last week. She uh, was engaged to Talon Torero for like less than a day or something. And, uh... Kimberly fascinates me because she's somebody who we all know, but, like, none of us really know anything about her personality because she never really, like, took off. You know what I mean? She was always almost going to do something or almost going to be a part of this, and she just never really took off in that way. And then by the time she did get her own reality show, the Stewart family had a reality show. I want to say it was on E! Like, nobody watched it, and it did terribly, and it got, like, what, one or two seasons? Um... So, yeah, Kimberly was in the running. I think she was, like, the number one person who Paris was, like, really wanting to come with her. And then uh, also Casey Johnson, the heir to the Johnson & Johnson brand. Casey was famous for dating Tila Tequila. They had a really, really dark, really dark, really public relationship. Um, She actually passed away in January of 2010. uh, But Paris basically grew up with her they had known each other since they were children and i definitely want to do an episode on casey johnson because she has she's lived a really interesting life 
They later settled on Nicole Richie, who at the time was an unknown, and the rest is reality TV history. When I was reading about how um, how Nikki Hilton tried to get Paris to not do the simple life because she thought it would ruin her brand, I also read that Kathy had told her like that it was cheesy and that it was beneath them and that it wasn't something that would help her future, which is hilarious to me because Kathy is such a fucking desperate Debbie at this point. And it wasn't even like five years later that she did a reality show on NBC called I Want to Be a Hilton, which I didn't watch and I refuse to watch because I have too much respect for myself. But like, girl, give me a break. Now, look, I think I've held off as long as I physically can without talking about Paris Hilton's sex tape. It's been about 11, 12 minutes. I'm ready. I feel emotionally ready. I feel stable enough to have this conversation. Can we please now get into the goddamn sex tape? You know, I mean, we're inching towards it. I'm sick of the foreplay. Let's just get into it. Let's talk about Rick Solomon. So in 2001, a 19-year-old Paris Hilton filmed her now infamous sex tape, One Night in Paris, with her 36-year-old boyfriend, Rick Solomon. And Rick, at the time, was basically known just as a poker player. Um, Every time I say poker player, (laughs) every time I say poker player, I think of Joan Rivers on Celebrity Apprentice. Do you guys remember when she she got in that fight and she kept saying, a poker player, a poker player? Anyway... Media outlets had obtained pieced together clips of the tape in mid-2003, and they were sent by an anonymous source, which is how news of the tape broke. And Rick had planned for the release of the tape to be right before the premiere of the show so that he would make a shit ton of money off of it. Paris said publicly that she was, quote, out of it and, quote, had no idea what was going on during the filming of the tape. She also stated that she did not approve and had no involvement in its release. So then Solomon sued Paris for defamation of character, and then Paris countersued Rick for his involvement in the release of the tape. They ended up settling outside of court in, two, like I want to say, like 2006. Um, it was reported that Paris had earned $400,000 for the tape, and she donated a large portion of it to charity. Um There's an MTV documentary from 2008 called Paris, Not France, and I'm not going to link to it in the Facebook group because I don't want to get in trouble, but it's on YouTube. And uh, Paris claims that she actually wasn't 19 when they filmed the tape, and that's just what Rick told people. She also said that she had heard from her close friends that when she met Rick when she was like 15 or 16 years old, that he had actually gone around and told people that he was planning on filming them have sex because... He knew that she would one day be really famous. He knew that it would make him a lot of money. So he was basically waiting for her to turn 18 so that he could film them have sex and then he would sell it. Like he had known for years that this was something that he wanted to do. The Simple Life premiered on Fox in December of 2003 to 13 million viewers a few weeks after the tape's release. The show dominated its time slot and every week the numbers grew higher and higher and Paris ended up becoming a household name. Um, I think that what happened with the tape kind of backfired. I think Rick's plan was that he would make all this money from the tape. But what it did was actually just make Paris more famous. And I think people tuned into the show because we had already watched. Everybody had gone on Google and like kazaa, you know what I mean? And like downloaded the tape. So then you wanted to watch The Simple Life to see the girl who was in the tape. So after the success of the first season of The Simple Life, Paris and her manager Jason Moore began crafting this lifestyle brand based on the ditzy rich blonde character that she had crafted for The Simple Life. And Paris and Jason knew they would be able to basically use 
that simple life Paris Hilton character to sell whatever the fuck they wanted and to represent her as the face of her public image. Now, look, I think that at some point the lines got blurred for Paris and she sort of fully became her simple life character. And the sad thing is, I think that Paris is still stuck in that headspace. I think that in her mind, there's just a never ending loop of 2003 playing over and over and over and over. And she really is stubborn in the sense that she refuses to move on from it. Like she will not accept the fact that she's not as famous as she used to be. If you talk to her about it, she has no idea what the fuck you're talking about. The only music that exists is her like 2006 album. You know what I mean? Like stars are blind is the only pop single that's ever been created. Like she just lives in this fantasy world where she's still Paris Hilton from 2003. And I think Paris Hilton has some really fucking serious identity issues that we all just sort of look past. And if you really want to know the truth, I think Paris has potential to be the ultimate contender for like the emotionally broken psycho queen. Obviously, Tori Spelling right now, I would say holds that place. I know Liz Bentley would agree with me, but like Paris Hilton is pretty fucked up. Like she's kind of a crazy person especially now that she's getting older you know what i mean it was one thing when she was like a 21 22 year old girl but she's a woman in her 30s and she can't keep a relationship she's not she hasn't been engaged since she was like 18 and she just kind of lives in this baby girl fantasy like it's it's very fucked Jason told CNN in 2011 that he met Paris right after the controversial David LaChapelle photo shoot where her nipples were showing. Um, he also states that he recognized her brand potential after he read the GQ Marriott Sisters parody. And he said that it was based on the fact that they were already being parodied by you know, like one of the biggest magazines in the world and nobody even really knew who they were yet. I actually have a quote here from his... Uh, his CNN interview. He said, she lived the ultimate image and was the ultimate brand on the right name, the right look, the right height, the right hair color, the right eye color, the right everything for a formula that far exceeded anybody else at that time. She was the ultimate package that corporate America would want to make for itself as a marketing tool, but it was already made for them. They say to be a famous person, people want to be you or fuck you. And she encompassed both those things. He also said, I would go home and try and apply brand theory to somebody who eats and drinks and goes to the bathroom, not a machine and not a product. I took all the theory and pop culture that I'd already learned and started to realize if Barbie could actually talk, that would be the biggest brand in the world. And the name became Paris Hilton. Jason was also the one that came up with the idea to register Paris's catchphrases from The Simple Life, specifically, that's hot. And uh, he saw it as the beginning of the Hilton Empire because it moved her away from what she was wearing and what she looked like and to what she was saying. It's basically like marketing some. If like Barbie could speak, you'd be marketing her words and then you'd have to be paid every time she says them. Like this guy's a fucking genius, honestly. So from 2003 to 2004, with the guidance of Jason, Paris had launched a purse collection with Samantha Thevesa an Amazon-exclusive jewelry line, a New York Times best-selling book, Confessions of an Heiress, a tongue-in-cheek peek behind the pose, a perfume line, and a second book, Your Heiress Diary, Confess It All to Me. And um, Jason actually managed Paris's career up to, like, 2011, which is actually around the time that her career took a nosedive. 
in the interview that I read, um, Jason talked about how he, like, at the beginning of his career, he wanted to be an artist, and he was into painting, and he went to college and studied, like, uh, art history, and he uses a lot of, like, painting and art references when he talks about the way he manages, or the way he used to manage Paris's career, and when the interviewer asked him why he stopped, he basically said because he felt like the painting was over, the painting was complete, the painting was finished, and there was nothing more that he could do with it, and... It's hard to ignore the direct correlation between Paris's cultural irrelevance and when he stopped managing her. It was around the exact same time. Um, I personally, I don't think Paris Hilton is an idiot. I think she's a really smart girl. I think she's always been really good at playing the media. I think there are people who are just born with the ability to play the media when they're in this industry and they know how to keep people hooked you know what i mean like for 10 straight years paris hilton was one of the most famous people in the entire world and i'm not gonna say that i think that that was all because of jason but i definitely think the meeting of those two minds the way that he saw her career i don't think anybody else in the world i just don't see her finding another manager who views her the way that he viewed her And when you add on the fact that Paris is completely unwilling to accept where she is right now in her career, I just don't know what the future has in store for her. Like, I guess she'll just continue, like, flying to Ibiza and DJing at foam parties for teenagers until she's, like, 90 and still dating 20-year-old models, which I guess isn't a, a terrible life. But, I mean, it would be nice to see her sort of reinvent herself in some way and, like, grow. I mean, I think... The saddest thing about Paris is that she just hasn't grown in any way in so long. And everybody around her, you know, Nicole has multiple children and she's a married woman. with ch- ch- She's a chicken coop. Nicole Richie is a fucking chicken coop in her yard and she has children. Like, and Paris is doing the exact same things that they were doing 10 years ago. You know what I mean? If I were managing Paris's career, I would, okay, I would have her do like a docu-series or something on like MTV. I feel like MTV would be a good network for her. And it would be really raw, very real, very, you know, unscripted, very unedited. And it would be real Paris Hilton, like no baby girl Paris Hilton, none of the baby voice, none of the like flying to Ibiza, none of that, like real Paris Hilton. And I want to hear her talk about some raw shit. I want to hear her talk about her impact on culture and on our society. I want to hear her thoughts on the Kardashians and her real thoughts, not like her three minute, you know, I'm doing an interview for good morning America thoughts. I want to hear her raw unedited 14 episode hour long docuseries special thoughts on the fucking Kardashian family. I think that would be really cool to just, I think the only way that Paris can reinvent herself at this point is to just be herself. You know what I mean? Like, She's got the world in her fucking hand right now and she doesn't take advantage of it. It's like you have just enough of a following still that you could, you know, reemerge. Just fucking be yourself, which obviously is a lot easier said than done for a person who has identity issues. And, you know, like I said earlier, I don't think Paris knows who she is. So I think it's hard for her to appear on camera and just be herself because she has no idea who she actually is. I don't even think Paris knows what her real voice sounds like anymore. I'm being dead serious. I really seriously feel like Paris has no idea when she speaks 
if she's using her natural voice. I don't think she knows what her natural voice is anymore. There's actually this really funny Snapchat, and it's not funny. It actually makes me really uncomfortable. I'm going to post it on the Emotionally Broken Cycles Facebook group. It's this video of Paris and Nikki, right? And they're, like, snapping together. And Paris starts off the snap by using her baby voice. And Nikki always calls her out when she talks like that in front of her. And she's like, Paris, stop it. She's like, stop with the goddamn baby voice. So then in the next snap, Paris is like, she's like, I'm Paris Hilton and this is my normal voice. And she was like, that's not your normal voice either. Like, she literally had no idea how to speak in her actual tone. Can you imagine? And then in the last snap, she goes, because her voice is about as deep as mine, if not deeper, She's like, I'm Paris Hilton, and this is my normal speaking voice. And Nikki's just staring at her like, good God, you're a goddamn psychopath. (laughs) Okay, you guys, we are about to get into the Nick Carter of it all. And if you are a Patreon member, that means that you will be privy to the remainder of this episode. If not, then you need to go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos and sign up. It's super easy. Like I said last week, it'll walk you through. All you do is basically donate and then uh, you'll get an email letting you know that you have access to all of the Emotionally Broken Psychos exclusive content, which is my podcast and Feathers in My Hair with Liz Bentley and all the stuff that Molly records exclusively for Patreon, which is also really good and uh, everything else that we have in store in the future. So if you are a Patreon member, thank you so much again for donating. And if not, then bitch, donate. I'm just kidding. I did not call you a bitch. I love you. Please don't hate me. You guys, there has never been a better time for you to be a Patreon member because this this relationship is so fucking whacked. Oh, God. It's so whacked that it just got me to use the term whacked. Hello. This relationship is whacked, you guys. I've never said that word in my entire fucking life. Who am I right now? I'm a different person when I talk to you guys, I swear to God. Um, So... By the time Paris and Nick met, Nick had already taken a break from the Backstreet Boys and released a successful solo album called Now or Never. Now listen, I had no idea that Now or Never was a thing that existed. I mean, the album went gold. It had very successful singles. I don't know about you guys, but like, I didn't know that Nick Carter had a successful solo career. I I was under the impression that he was in the same ballpark as Nick Lachey in the sense that they tried to become Justin Timberlake and they couldn't. Um, the difference is that Nick Carter went back with the Backstreet Boys when he realized that he couldn't. But I didn't know that Nick Carter had successful singles. The album was released on October 29th of 2002 and debuted at number 17 on the Billboard Hot 100. So a year before meeting Paris, Nick was doing pretty well for himself. Now, during the time that Nick and Paris had dated, Nick self-admittedly was at the height of his addiction issues, as I mentioned before at the beginning of the episode. In Nick's book from 2013, uh, it's called Facing the Music and Living to Talk About It. Terrible title. Um, He said, I began drinking heavily in my teens and then moved on to drugs at 18 or 19. I could have ended up a tragedy. During the height of my problems, I did ecstasy, cocaine, and drank a large bottle of vodka a night. I regret taking ecstasy. The amount I did caused changes to my brain that are responsible for my bouts of depression right now. And I will say, from the outside, Paris and Nick seemed like a really... They seemed like a happy couple. They went out together all the time. They were photographed together a lot. They would go to Lakers games and award shows and stuff together and premieres. And uh, Nick seemed to really sort of like wedge himself into her life as well and like wedge himself into her group of friends. So all of a sudden, Nick Carter was going out with like, you know, Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan and Nicole Richie and Brendan Davis and all these people to like clubs and stuff. 
And um, they were also really into public displays of affection. Like, anytime you saw them on a red carpet together, they looked like they had just fucked. Nick was, like, sweaty. <laughs> Nick would have, like, sweat dripping down his forehead. Paris's dress would be, like, stuck in her thong. You know what I mean? They had very, like, Angelina, Jolie, Billy Bob vibes on the red carpet. And on July 28th of 2004, Paris was photographed leaving LAX with bruises covering her arms and face, and the media immediately pointed the finger at Nick, obviously, that's who she was dating at the time. Um, now, this information comes from a very old New York Post article, uh, It's All Alleged, and the sources in the article are friends of Paris and Nikki's who claim to have been with them the night of their alleged fight that led to him abusing her. So according to this New York Post article, they were dancing together at a party at the Argyle Hotel in Los Angeles. They left the party and ended up at Club Joseph's. And this is apparently when the mood turned sour. Nick wanted to leave the club and Paris didn't. So Nick forced Paris into the cab with him. And that was the last that her, her friends had seen of her for the night. Um, Paris's friends told the Post that she was scared to death to be with him a lot. Um, she would constantly talk to them about being, you know, like fearing for her life and how crazy he was and how violent. And uh, they had, I guess, seen bruises on her before. And when, you know, they would ask her about them, she would deny it or she would deny Nick's involvement, I guess. After the photos came out, obviously, they cycled everywhere. Like pretty much every news publication was talking about these pictures of Paris Hilton. She had I mean, you can Google them. She has um, like grab marks on her arm. And in one of them, she has, like, a bloodied lip that looks like it was swollen. Um, she has a black eye and some other just sort of, like, small cuts and nicks and scrapes just, like, sort of all over random parts of her arms and her body. And um, Nick's lawyer released a statement saying, Even though they broke up, they spent Monday night together, and Paris left Nick's house Tuesday morning happy. This is all because Paris was upset by what Nick told People magazine. Now, of course... I have the quote from People Magazine. So he he did this interview on, uh, well, I don't know what date he did it, but they broke up officially on July 22nd. And Nick gave an exclusive to People Magazine, whereas Paris chose to kind of like have her lawyers release a statement that they had broken up. Now, I'm just going to read this to you. It's a back and forth interview. So the interviewer is asking the question and then Nick gives the response. So after several months together, Backstreet Boy Nick Carter, 24, and the Simple Life star Paris Hilton, 23, called it quits on July 22nd. Paris prefers to have her rep confirm the split. Carter, however, briefed People magazine about the relationship's ups and downs. Carter says, I've dated nothing but normal girls, so dating Paris was definitely a departure for me. How they met. We met through her bodyguard, who was a friend of mine. He called me up and was like, hey, she wants to meet you. What led to the breakup? Our relationship, to I'm sorry, our relationship totally was based on distrust. She didn't trust me and I didn't trust her. That's just how it was. What happened on July 22nd? We both got on the phone, had a discussion, and agreed that we couldn't do this anymore. Hilton's rep's assertion that the heirs broke it off. Obviously, that's the way they're going to try and make it look. The breakup was mutual. Reports that they cheated on each other. The only comment I'm going to have is that I'm loyal to those who are loyal to me. Getting linked by ink. We got tattoos together three weeks ago. Carter got Paris imprinted on his wrist. He won't divulge Hilton's tattoo. Do you regret getting the tattoo? 
No, I don't regret it because I love her and she'll always have a special place in my heart. Getting over it. I've got a lot of work to do on myself. I just want everybody to know that I'm single and ready to have fun again. I'm a wild and crazy guy. If someone comes along and sweeps me off my feet, adds Carter, I'll be loyal again. Now, when Paris was asked about the breakup, she said, I need time alone before revealing that she had broken up with Nick Carter over a phone call. Hilton did say that her friends weren't happy with their relationship. Paris also adds, Nicole Richie will be really happy. She didn't like me with Nick. Now, this is where things get even messier because Aaron Carter gets involved, and that tends to happen when Aaron Carter is involved in anything. So Aaron later confirmed to a gossip columnist named Roger Friedman at a Grammys party that the allegations of abuse were actually true. Okay, this is the quote. Aaron Carter, who was estranged from his mother, also told me that his brother Nick Carter of the Backstreet Boys did indeed hit Pop-Tart Paris Hilton, which was intimated in many tabloid reports last year. He hit her, Aaron told me on Sunday night at the big Grammy celebration party following the award show, and he hit me. I love that Aaron Carter has a way of just, like, making everything about him. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that you can bring up to him that he won't somehow be able to spin to make about himself, which I love, because I have the same quality. You guys, I'm sorry, but it's about to get even messier, if you can believe it. We're about to drag Ashley Simpson into this mess by her ankles. Are you ready? So... Nick and Aaron appeared on an episode of The Tyra Show, a true gem. If you have nothing to do today or this weekend, I suggest just going back and watching old episodes of Tyra Banks' talk show on YouTube. It is the greatest gift in the world, specifically the episode where she interviews um, Naomi Campbell about all the pain and the hurt she's caused her throughout her life, but neither here nor there. So... Tyra, of course, asked Nick about his relationship with Paris for a really long time. That's sort of the only thing people would talk to him about, and he milked that shit for as long as he possibly could. Okay, so it was revealed on the Tyra show that Paris had actually taken Aaron out on a date shortly after she had broken up with Nick. He was 16, by the way. This is what they claim. She pursued Aaron. I don't believe that because I don't believe anything Aaron says, but I do believe this to be true. Now, Aaron claims to have only gone out on the date to get information from Paris for his brother. He wanted to pretend to like her so that she would tell him everything that happened in their relationship. During the date, Aaron found out that Paris had cheated on Nick Carter with Chad Michael Murray while she was filming House of Wax. Are you still following? Okay. (laughs) So Aaron got really pissed. He went back and told Nick everything. And then right before they broke up, Nick cheated on Paris with Ashley Simpson to make her jealous. Now, you could definitely tell that These two had, like, worked out something where they were going to talk about this on the show, and Nick had probably asked Aaron to reveal this stuff for him, because at one point, when Tyra asked uh, Nick who the guy was that Paris cheated on him with, he has this huge smile on his face, and he goes, oh, I don't feel comfortable saying. And then he looks over at Aaron and just stares at him, basically, like, deep into his eyes, like, bitch, you better say who the name is. And then Aaron does it for him, and he's, like, this really smug look on his face. So this was all planned, obviously. And this is apparently what caused the breakup. So 
Paris cheated on Nick with Chad Michael Murray, and then Nick cheated on Paris with Ashley Simpson, and then Aaron went on a date with Paris to get the information to run back and tell and tell Nick. It's a whole fucking. It's insane, insane. Now you know why I've been up reading about this shit for seven straight hours. Like it just never ends. Now, if you go back and watch House of Carters, which they actually have on YouTube and. The scene that I'm about to reference is on YouTube as well. And also, by the way, Molly did a fucking spectacular deep dive on. Um, There is a fight between Aaron and Nick in reference to Paris Hilton about them taking the same girl out on a date and how disrespectful it was. So that leads me to believe that, yeah, they did concoct some weird fucking thing and they went on the Tyra show and because they all of a sudden are trying to make it seem like it was something that they planned together and all this stuff. But no, like... This was a huge uh, wedge between them, between the brothers. Um, But this was pretty much the end of their relationship, Paris and Nick. And Nick wrote a book, as I said, in 2013, titled Facing the Music and Living to Talk About It, where he talks about his relationship with Paris Hilton. And he said... Paris Hilton was the worst person in the world for me to hook up with at that time. She fed my worst impulses as far as partying. I could have really ended up a tragedy. He was also asked about his relationship with Paris on Watch What Happens Live. Andy asked him like if he had spoken to her, if they remained friends. And he said, I have not heard from her since we actually broke up. But I do wish her the best. I think we just weren't made for each other. There are just different types of lives. I actually come from a sort of lower middle class family. I wasn't really born into money. I don't fault that that's her life and that's what she wants to do, but we just had different paths. You guys, that was episode three of The Smush Room. I hope that you enjoyed it. That was a really fun one to record, but I am now emotionally and physically exhausted. My vocal cords need rest. You guys have stressed me out. Dad needs a cigarette. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I cannot wait for next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.